All right, my guest today on the A-Game podcast, replay number five, comes from Alan Folio, the show-up investor. Alan Folio is a guy that I met. I've been following him for a long time. Again, his Instagram, uh, I joined his, uh, his, his Discord group and just been following along with him and staying in touch with him, um, trying to get him into jujitsu. I kind of do that. I push that on people. Um, but again, another guy with an amazing story, battered some health stuff, battered some mental stuff, and didn't come from the best background and didn't use it as an excuse. He, in spite of all that, came the roast of the occasion and has done an amazing amount of real estate. And he's just such a nice guy. What a good dude. Really comes from a place of helping, always answers back my text, picks up the phone when I call uh, the people on his team every time I, I deal with them. They're always quick to pass on messages and and just help people. So uh, I appreciate a guy like that who's really just trying to get a message out and get great content out and doesn't have much of an agenda about it. He's just uh, trying to tell his story and show the possibilities of stuff that he's doing. And really, uh, that's that's what we need. We need a lot more of that. So just missed him. He popped in Chicago. Uh, I was here and just got a little bit a uh, little bit. Bad planning on uh, on my part a little bit. I should have I should have made a little bit uh, should have shifted things around a little bit. So my apologies for not meeting up with Alan, but we are definitely going to meet up for some food and hang out in the near future. Uh, I believe you come back here in a few months. If not, I will definitely be seeing you either at Mark Evans events or some of the ones that are coming up. But what a great guy! What an amazing investor! What an inspiring story! Just a good dude again. Somebody that I consider a friend. Alan Folio, thank you for coming on bringing your A-game. I hope you guys really love this replay. If you have not heard it already, you're in for a great episode. And if you have, give it another listen because you will not regret it. Welcome to the A-game podcast with Nick LaMagna. Digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is a full-time real estate investor and entrepreneur fighting out of Fresno, California, now by way of Florida. He has over eight years' experience in fix and flips, wholesales, burrs, Airbnbs, note investors, and now owns over hundreds of rental properties. He is a social media powerhouse. We will link you up with his Instagram and his YouTube, which has outstanding content each and every day. And he has a wild and inspiring story of overcoming addiction and changing his mindset and his habits to become a multimillionaire husband and father please welcome to the a-game podcast the show investor himself mr alan folio hey thanks nick i appreciate it man damn that was a hell of an entrance thank you <laughs> you're, you're a hell of a guy man i uh i've been watching your stuff man it was it was nice to meet you in uh where were we cleveland at mark evans thing man and uh it was cool i was like awesome that's the the kind of thing i love about you you watch people on social media and you feel like you know them and then you see them in person. It's like, oh, cool, man. And you didn't disappoint, man. You were, you were so nice and, uh, you know, took the time to say hi. I was stepping over somebody's broken leg to say hi to you, so I felt terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cool thing about going to those type of events, right? We can connect with each other, man. So we all talk to each other online, but it's really cool to connect in person. Yeah, man, I'm really excited to have you on. For, for people who are not 100% familiar with your story yet, you have uh, quite the impressive, inspiring background of the stuff you've overcame to, to really get where you are today on many levels, the personal, the financial, all the different stuff. So I'd love for you to dig in for that a little bit and kind of give a 30,000 foot view of who you are and where you came from. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, so 
<clears throat> grew up originally in uh, Fresno, California, was raised by two heroin addicts for parents, uh, you know, kind of grew up in the ghetto, not having much money, and then getting into, I don't know, or even to start getting into addiction myself, man, um, later in life, my parents were in and out of uh, prison most of my life. And then I ended up getting into the same type of addiction that they were addicted to. So that was kind of a, a big circle, I guess, man. And then getting it together and uh, just doing manual labor jobs most of my life until about, I don't know, eight years ago. By this time, I was clean and I was driving tractor, not making much money. And uh, one day my wife asked me, hey, you're going to drive tractor the rest of your life. I said, well, yeah, I was kind of planning on it. Why? And she said, because we don't have any damn money, right? So that sent me on um, on a mission, I guess, man, to um, to strive for su success and try and figure it out. And here we are today. Yeah, I think there's there's so much of that that's uh, just an incredible tale because you, I think the famous uh, Tony Robbins quote about like it's it's your decisions in life, not your conditions in life, that will shape your future. And it's the decisions that you make every day that will shape your destiny. And I always love that outcome because people can look and point to, well, you know, real estate's not for me. Wealth isn't for me. Positivity is not for me because look where I came from. Look where I learned, like all the things you came from. And there's plenty of people that came from a tough background or a background of addiction and, you know, crazy stuff that you probably sure you grew up with seeing and hearing and use that as a crutch to just limit themselves and then there's other people that do what you do and they take those things and use them as catapults to really say like i'm not going to be there and, and push that much harder out of that and it really does come to that decision and like, like vice versa people that come from a great background have every opportunity in the world and just don't do anything with it so i love to hear about the the mindset there because so many people want to discount that but guys like you the apparently your whole block <laughs> that you're going to be living to all your neighbors man they're all like super successful guys and if you ask any of them if mindset's important, every one of them is going to say it's the most important thing. But then you get a new person who goes, it's not important. Just, you know, tell me how to raise private money or stuff like that. So, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about it. I know you've, you've, I've heard you say about brainwashing yourself. And I thought it was a brilliant way to think of it because you can, whatever you're putting into it, you can shape your mind. So you choose what you're going to feed it basically. Right. Yeah, for sure, man. And that, that's kind of a, um, an interesting point you just made about the guys that I live around now. Right. They're all like, Mark Evans is one of my neighbors. We've got a bunch of other guys with with big money here in this country club. But thinking about that to being um, growing up kind of in the ghetto, and I'm sure you've saw some of the videos where, or uh, this is the first eight unit apartment complex we bought in the hood, you know, and a lot of people like talking crap about the video, but it's like, really, I grew up 10 houses down, which is kind of funny, right? I grew up 10 houses down. Now I own apartment complexes in that same neighborhood. So it's um it's a it's an interesting circle man to to look at and and connect it all but i think in life you you for me at least i got to a point where i was just kind of tired of being poor and average and just trying to figure that out and when jennifer asked me that question it sent me on a journey searching right and i'd never heard about goals or or being able to achieve things in life because my parents didn't know anything about that. They had a very limiting, poor mindset. So I started searching and some of the things I came across on YouTube were like Grant Cardone, Bob Proctor, Jim Rohn, these type of guys. And, and the things they were talking about, man, I'd, I'd, I'd really never heard before. So I just 
it resonated with me and I just listened to it over and over and over and over. And one of the things Bob Proctor talked about was you can make your month, you can make your yearly income monthly, right? It's like, what? how the hell do you do that? And just by the process of listening to him over and over and over, um, I, you start believing it. You start believing it, man. So that's what, what worked for me. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it comes down to people, they want to listen to Bob Proctor, they want to listen to Grant Cardone, and then they go, I'm going to be a millionaire, I'm going to make a bunch of money, like I'm going to achieve all my greatest goals, and then they shut off YouTube and they turn on Netflix, <laughs> you know, like so, I talk to somebody who did door knocking like you did, which people don't have the ambition or the drive or, or the, the balls really to go and do that, and I feel like that's such a a thing that if you have the discipline and you have the courage to go make door knocking work, like you have the cop pretty much anything, man. So I'd love to hear about like, what was the thought process going there? Because you're listening to these things, but then the difference is you're going out and you're actually doing the things to make a difference in your life every day where I think people, they want to put it in their head, but then they don't want to put it on the street and actually go do that work. And that's really the missing link is you have to do both. Yeah, I think, Nick, what's interesting, man, if you listen to, uh, have you watched The Secret with Bob Proctor in it? I'm sure, okay. So, like, one of the things I think that they don't mention in that is you can't just sit on your couch and have all these positive thoughts and expect money to show up. I kind of think that's what they were, like, that's how it kind of came across to me, right? The missing link to that is, yes, you have to do all that. You have to believe in yourself and affirmations are great. But the second piece of that is getting off your lazy ass and getting out and going to work because you can sit on your couch and kumbaya all you want, man, but you've got to get out now and put the work behind it. So um, for me, that, that's what I did. And when I started door knocking, I actually just went to every single house because I didn't know any better <laughs> trying to get uh, trying, trying to get listings. Actually, I was trying to get listings as a realtor. And um, obviously, I didn't have any luck doing that. So then I started going to, they had, uh, this is about seven, eight years ago. <clears throat> they had foreclosure sales at the Radisson hotel. Right. So I found out about that. Oh, they're having foreclosure sales. Maybe I'll go check this out. And so I met a guy there who's sitting, I sat down, he looked like a gangster. Actually. He had like a Raiders Jersey and like his pants were kind of sagging. I'm like, and I was dressed up like a realtor. Cause I thought that's what you had to do. And so, you know, just who's this guy, some bum. Well, the guy ended up buying over a million dollars in property that day. So I said, oh, shit, I got to talk to this guy. So, you know, <laughs> then I, I strike up a conversation with the guy. I said, hey, how do you know, like, how do you know these properties, which properties are coming to the, to the tax sale, you know, or, or to the um, foreclosure sale? And he said, oh, well, we use this app right here. It, back then it was called Foreclosure Radar. He said, yeah, see, this tells me all the addresses and it tells me all the properties that are coming in the future to this sale. I'm like, okay, so you guys are all down here waiting for these properties. I'm like, shit, I'm already out door knocking. Why don't I just start going to these? Um, why don't I just start going to these houses and door knocking them, right? So that's what I did, man. But I wasn't smart enough yet to figure out uh, like wholesaling them because I really didn't have any idea. So I started locking these properties up as listings and, and listing them for the people. Um, and how I made a transition so that started working really well. And how I made a transition from being a realtor to an investor is uh, my wife. Now we're making a little money. She said, hey, I want to go on vacation. And mind you, I've been with my wife since she was 15. I was 17. So we've been together like 26 years already. But we'd never been on a vacation together because I was a loser and we didn't have any money. So we ended up going to the Bahamas. Um, 
and and met an old man there. Um, Dean Garland's his name. I still talk to him. He was my original mentor from he's from Long Beach, California, which wasn't too far from where I was living. And one of the things Dean told me when I met him is told me it was a real estate investor. And he says, Alan, it doesn't matter if I'm here in the Bahamas or if I'm in Long Beach or I'm in some other place. I'm making the same amount of money because I have investments that are paying me. He said, you're not making any money right now because you need to be back in Fresno, California as a realtor, like working. That's how you make your money. I'm like, oh man, right? So that like really clicked for me. I'm like, I got to get like investment properties. So I went back home to California and I immediately switched my strategy up. I still kept door knocking and going to those notice of default pre-foreclosures. But what I started doing now was instead of listing them as a realtor and making a small commission, I started putting them under contract. And now I was, and now I kept going back to the Radisson and these guys were all buying cash. So now I just started door knocking and getting the properties under contract. And then I started just assigning the contract to the people who were already waiting at the, um, foreclosure auctions. So that's when I kind of started really gaining momentum and started making some, some actual money. Man, I think that that's so amazing. The fact that again, you had the, you know, the wherewithal to go in and ask that guy to be your, your mentor, I, I think says a lot about you because there's so many people, it amazes me how overly simplistic people try to make real estate sometimes, although there are parts of it. It's like, it's like any other business. Why do all these businesses fail? You know, and you have one conversation with somebody and they're like, well, I want to get into real estate. And then you're like, hey, you should, you know, invest some money in yourself and, and hire a mentor. No, no, I don't want to do that. It's dangerous. People <laughs> lose their button. So I'm going to go do it myself. It's like, so wait, so it's dangerous. Like, actually, yeah, I'm pretty sure the choir. But one of the things I think, again, is, is, is pretty interesting is people do have those stories of, hey, I went and I tried this. And it's usually, oh, I know somebody who knew somebody who worked at Blockbuster that had a friend that bought real estate and lost their butt. Like, it's, it's never actually them that are giving you the advice. But it does come down to like people that don't do the research, they don't do the due diligence, they don't know what they're doing, and they recklessly buy stuff and have a bad story, and then they quit. And I've always been a big believer in whatever you do, you'll be successful in as long as you don't quit. And I see in boxing, in jujitsu, in business, within that first six to 12 months, if you don't win your first fight, if you don't do well in the gym, if you don't make a million dollars in the first six months, people just quit if there's any sort of resistance. And I know you didn't have the greatest uh, experience with one of your first rentals. And if that would have been the thing where you went, this is harder than I think it is, I'm going to quit. You wouldn't be where you are today. Yeah, very true, man. And uh, I don't know who, who made the quote, but talking about how one person can change your life. I really feel meeting that old man and him telling me that and it clicking for me like, oh, damn, I, I do actually have to be there to be making money. And this old man's like, he, at this point, he was in his 70s. He's in his 80s now, but he was traveling all over the world, right? And, and his rental properties were paying for him to do that. And that really like, I'm like, wow, I could be here and making money like that, like really, <laughs> you know, that kind of clicked for me, man. And uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad I met him because it, it put me where I am today. And, you know, I started assigning those contracts to, to those investors. And then I was able to accumulate enough chunks of money um, where I was able to buy my first rental property, right? And uh, I can dive a little into that. The first rental property that we bought, we closed escrow on it and uh, it had a tenant in there. But immediately the first month, dude, they stopped paying rent. Ah, uh -uh, damn. So we ended up having to evict them. But to make a long story short, by the time we got the property back, they were, they were tweakers, what we call like on methamphetamine on drugs, right? And um, 
they ended up stripping the entire house, dude, of every piece of wire. They pulled the wire out of the walls. They took every uh, piece, like every hinge, everything, dude. It was unbelievable. They actually had uh, jump uh, power from the main line down to the breaker box and were actually even stealing power. And so that that's how I got into actually uh, started to flip property because now we got this thing back and it's like, oh, damn. Now what do we do? Now I had to figure out how to put a property back together. So that led me into uh, the flipping side of things. Right. So talking about how you've gone in from those different things, I think the the confidence to build up those things, did that come from you know, seeing somebody that does that and going, I can do that versus like, well, that guy's not me. He didn't come where I come from. Was it a progressive thing of like, I'll look into real estate, but my comfort level is I'm going to do it as an agent. And then you started to kind of like build up your confidence from there. Cause I think that there's a, there's such a big jump from like doing nothing to meeting somebody who's like, I'm completely financially free and going, well, I can do that too. You know? Yeah. And the thing is, I didn't really have a lot of access to that guy because he was, he was, even though he was older and wasn't doing a lot of stuff, I had like a lot of respect for him. So I didn't really bother him. I only called him if I absolutely had a question that was like, man, I cannot figure this out. So maybe like once a month or something, I would call him, but it was not very often. And I didn't take much of his time at all. Um, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I really didn't even know what the hell I was doing, to be honest with you. I was just going a hundred, uh, I was going 110 miles an hour and I screwed a lot of stuff up. And um, actually as a realtor, you can imagine going from doing manual labor, driving a tractor to now I'm acting like a realtor with a fancy suit on. I was actually, I had 10, I had 10 listings my first month as a realtor. Um, and I still have the, I still have the checks, man. So I made $20,000. My, my first week of checks was $20,000 as a realtor because I was hustling so much. And, and all these, this was in Fresno. So the population's um, it's over 500,000. So it's decent size, but I was literally dude spending 10 to 12 hours a day, just driving around door knocking people. That's all I was doing was going after notice of defaults and for sale by owners. So it wasn't comfortable, but I think sometimes to be successful, man, you have to do things that are uncomfortable, right? And I still do a lot of things that, that I don't want to do, but I do them because I have goals and I want to take care of my family, man. You know, you, I wasn't even, this wasn't even on my list of stuff, but speaking of that, I, I don't know if it's still the case, but I know for a while you didn't have, have a TV. And then when you first moved up back to Florida, I was hearing you on a couple other views saying that you had <laughs> one, but you actually didn't turn them on yet. Yeah. So, um, when Jennifer asked me that question, if I was going to drive tractor the rest of my life, and I started watching Grant Cardone, Bob Proctor, Jim Rohn, like, I remember Grant Cardone, like saying, that's a waste of time. I didn't freaking know it was a waste of time. <laughs> uh, I, we used to watch all kinds of stupid shit, man. Desperate housewives and all this stuff. Like, like, <laughs> like, like the normal people do, dude, looking back is like, damn, no wonder we didn't have any freaking buddy. But, uh when, when he, when I heard him saying that stuff, it really resonated with me, man. And we had one TV at the time and we didn't have any money and we were paying for cable. And I actually, um, I can't remember if we sold it or what we did with it, but we only had one TV, but we canceled the cable. We canceled everything and we got rid of the TV, man. And I focused just on watching these guys and listening to them. And that's, I, I would even hear, I wouldn't even go as far, dude, back then I was going so hard. I would even hear people listening to music, dude. And I would be like, damn, dude, they don't even know they're wasting so much time. Like, that's to the level I was at. I didn't listen to anything but those guys. And if it wasn't about self-improvement, man, I didn't give a shit. So 
I've, I've, I've laxed off of a lot of that stuff now, but I remember when I was really getting into it and going hard, it was like, that's all I did, man, was listen to that kind of stuff. I think that's amazing, man. It really is just, it, it can be like they say in the secret, you know, you, it could be a tool that a, a microwave could cook your food or it could cook the man, you know, and it's even like a TV, man. It could be a, it could be a weapon or a tool, depending on how much discipline you have with it. But with the tools and stuff I have out there, you know, you talked about using property radar and foreclosure radar and going to the notice of default list and knocking on the doors or calling those people and all the different marketing channels and stuff you have here. I always think it's interesting that the same things that you have access to that have made you millions of dollars, you have other people that are like, but what are my other options? But what, and they literally want to spend all day on YouTube or spend all this money on courses to find like the thing instead of just using the tools that they have there to actually make the money. They always think that there's this other thing that they're missing or they get FOMO or shiny object syndrome, but the same exact people have the same exact resources. What's the difference between somebody like you that uses the resources in front of them and the other people that make excuses not to, or just continue to blow past them and devalue the opportunities in front of them? Great question, Nick. I think it's actually just committing, man, and actually just doing it, right? Because I think, um, and I've been guilty of this at different times in my life, but maybe trying to figure out an easier way or a faster way to do something when, when really we just need to do the work, man. We just need to do the work. You know what I mean? So I'm sure there is a lot better ways and I, I probably could be uh, doing things better to save time. But at the end of the day, we're getting shit done. They want to know about the best CRM and the best this and that. Dude, I freaking ran a yellow notepad for probably my first year. <laughs> I, ha I had 20 freaking properties before I even worried about an LLC. You know what I'm saying? It's like, don't, don't overcomplicate it with all the bullshit. If you get to that point where you're like overloaded with deals and you can't manage it and you can't handle stuff, okay, now it's time to probably implement other things. But it's like people will DM me on, on – um, on IG about like maybe the driving for dollars video. I'm like, yeah, dude, I've made a lot of money just using that app. Just do exactly what I said. And I promise it'll work for you. Yeah. You're probably not going to get a deal your first week. You might not even get a deal your first month, but I promise you a hundred percent, dude, if you stay after it, you will get a freaking deal, you know? So it's, I think it's just having the persistence, man, stay after it, but anything you do. Yeah, no, agree. It doesn't happen overnight. So talking about now what your current business model, talk a little bit about, you're doing i know you've, you've changed your models a little bit here and there over the course of the probably last eight years but right now what is your portfolio or your strategies looking like what's your your kind of day-to-day -day real estate business yeah so primarily we we invest in the midwest although i still have around 80 units in um in california and um we've got a few hundred in the midwest and uh we moved to parkland florida now which is where we live and we actually just closed on our first, I don't know if you saw that video, don't buy this, buy this, yeah, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but we just, uh, we just closed on our first, uh, property here, investment property, man. And so my stuff my in the stuff. Midwest is kind of like on autopilot. I run it from, uh, I have an office still in California with staff and I have an office in Indiana, uh, team there. And, um, yeah, I just kind of run everything from my phone now. Uh, I'll fly out a couple times a year to each places and check on stuff, but we just closed on our first deal here in by Fort Lauderdale. And I was talking to Austin Rutherford this morning. We did a, did a video over there, but we only did really a month worth of marketing, dude, of cold calling. And we got that deal. So it was, a, a, but it was like, Austin's like, well, that was it. I'm like, well, it was about three months of follow-up. Right. So, but there's going to be a lot of equity in that deal. So we're doing a little bit of stuff now. We haven't done that. We only did one month of marketing here, but we might pick some more stuff up.
So we'll just kind of see. That's cool, man. And you know, I, I did see that video and your social media stuff has been freaking awesome. I definitely want to jump into a lot of that as well. And a big question that comes up a lot is the marketing channels and then the funding. And I you post a lot of stuff about that and you get a lot of questions on that. What are your some of your favorite marketing channels into our list right now? What are some of your your tips and tricks as far as like funding for your rentals and stuff? Because I know that you're, you're big on private money. Yeah, we are, man. So I'll touch um, first on the marketing that we do. Uh, I'll touch on that. So like we do everything, man, from like a high, high equity owner occupied. So that deal we just locked up here. That was actually just a high equity owner occupied unit, dude, believe it or not. Lindy had been there for over 20 years. So we do everything from that to like really niching down to code enforcement lists, probate, right? That's a little, a little bit um, different type of deal. When you're doing the probate stuff, uh, we use letters, not mailers. Like we'll send a very like, um, my, we'll start off the letter, my condolences. Obviously, they just lost a family member. We got, get a lot of deals through probate um notice the defaults we still do i think everybody nick's probably doing the same thing i think the main thing is just follow up when you get the leads coming in man as you know you're in the business it's a lot of times it's, you're not going to get the deal right off the bat it's follow up follow up follow up i love that man 100 percent. i tell everybody it's not a no it's a not yet exactly man so um i'm i'm a little removed from the day-to-day -day stuff now i have people ask me hey what are you using for this what are you using for that Dude, honestly, I don't even freaking know. Um, <laughs> like my main girl has been with me four years now and she actually just got here yesterday to Florida. I moved her out here to Florida. So we're going to start, um, her and I are going to start banging stuff out here. But she's been in my office in California for the last four years. She started moving with me when she was 18. Uh, she's almost 23 now. So she runs most of my stuff and even oversees my teams in Indiana. So yeah, I'm kind of disconnected a little bit, some of that stuff. But um, as far as final sign off, I still do all that on all the properties. Nice, buddy. I, I am going to definitely talk to you about the teams and stuff like that because Kobe's an absolute rock star. The stuff that she's been doing, the way she's all over it, man, she is definitely an A player. And I think that that's a big piece is people struggle with A, not doing the stuff themselves, and then B, not maybe not only not getting the good people underneath them, but not understanding how to properly train and manage that expectation and get them to you know, hiring people, it's not that you just hire them and now they're just going to work for you and all your, you can go hang out on the beach. Like people don't understand that part. So I would love to hear how you've had people. I think when you and I talked another time, you were saying you hired people like five, six, seven years ago, and they're still the same people that are working for you today. And that to me is astounding. I actually have a lot of people, man, that have been with me seven years. Um, so I've been doing this probably about eight years now, you know, especially with like contractors, you know, at one time we were doing about 20 flips at a time. So you go through kind of a lot of people, but you find the people that you resonate with and that do a good job for you and you can trust. And man, I, I like to just keep those people long-term because you know how they work. They know how you work. There's no BS. It's like, those are the type of relationships I like to have. And even uh, people that uh, are on our team in Indiana, man, I've got a couple of people that have been there for seven plus years. So yeah, man, I, I like, uh, I think there's really value to that. And as far as like your main person, I think building that person up basically to be you, right? Whoever, whatever Nick does on a, on a day-to-day -day basis, it's kind of scary actually, because Kobe's like a damn spitting image of me now, but it's <laughs> like, they, they don't like, sh she locks the property, she gives the, the final sign off on, on all the stuff. And then I just approve it before it closes escrow. But 
I'd say 95% of the time we're on the same page. There's very rarely we're not, but that's taken four years of investing into someone. And yeah, it, it's paid off to this point. So what did that look like? I think the to get her where she is, I mean, obviously uh, uh, the dealings I've had with her, she's been fantastic and just really, really sharp and kind of all over good people skills, good, good real estate knowledge. But what were some of the things that stuck out that made you decide that this is the person that you're going to start to invest your time into? And then what was the communication and the training and the expectations like time-wise for you getting her that first few months to kind of be somebody you knew you were going to stick with? So I probably didn't touch on this, Nick, but uh, Kobe's not the first person I've had in that position, man. I, I Did you know I had a heart attack and heart surgery? I don't know if you knew that. But anyway, I've had... Um, yes, yeah. So I've had... Uh, she's the third person in that position over my eight years of training. Um, one, when I first started, invested um, time and energy into, and then they left to start their own business after they figured out what I did. Um, the second, uh, a guy named uh, Stratton Brown, who's you guys can look him up on social media, a great kid. Uh, he was with me and in, in, in a similar position to Kobe. And then I had my heart attack and got freaked out and bought a motorhome and said, I'm freaking out of here. And I kind of just left him in my office hanging man, which was like not cool of me to do. But he figured his own way out and um, and is doing great now. And then when I got done doing that, then I started rebuilding again and uh, I hired Kobe and yeah, luckily Ben, she's um, she's put up with my bullshit for the last four years and uh, and here we are. So I think if you find a good person, like I've always been the type of guy, I don't invest a lot of uh, training in them on the front end. I just give them tasks and see if they're actually going to do it right and see if they're going to figure it out because if if i sit there and try and spend five hours a day with them they may only stay a week like when somebody first starts with me i just kind of throw stuff at them and just see what they do because if i knew how to do it i don't know how to do many things dude i only know how to do a few <laughs> things well so if i knew how to do it i'd probably do it myself so i'm giving it to you probably because i don't know what the hell i'm doing so or i don't want to do it or i don't have time now right but um yeah. So that's kind of the way it works. I throw stuff and I see what sticks. And if they're actually getting things done, then I keep giving them stuff. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, or fixing foots, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, fix you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fixing foot, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals go to www.nicknicknick.com go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels if you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together make it happen everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner best time to start is today yeah, so so on the private money side, I actually just uh, I just finished a private money lending course. Uh, I don't know, man. That the website's getting ready to go live, so um, the website's going to be theshowupinvestor.com, and we're going to start posting stuff on there. And yeah, I've got the free Discord group, man. If anybody's following me on IG, there's a link in the link tree uh, where they can actually click on that, and it'll say a free real estate group. And um, yeah, and then we've got the exclusive group, which um, is a paid group, but we do live Q&A and stuff in there. And 
yeah, it's kind of what I got going, man. Nick, on a, on a, um, on a side note, what else can I do in that? I was talking to Austin about this earlier. He's like, yeah, I'm just haven't had much success on like those type of um, groups. Is there something you think that we can do better, man, on the discord or what are you seeing from your side? Like, uh, like being on the other side of the table, I guess. Man, I, I like it. I think you have a, a really good thing with, you know, Colby sitting there and kind of moderating and letting people know when things are happening. I think the, the Q and A's have been great, man. The way you make yourself always available there and you kind of go around and ask everybody, like everybody get a turn to ask a question and stuff. I think it's really cool. And even just listening to some of the people that are, are doing different things, uh, access to the private money stuff and linking up with private money lenders on there. Um, if there's one thing I need to get better at with discord from somebody who's like a consumer of it on groups like that is I have to learn how to mute some of the, the channels in there that I don't use because the notifications get so overwhelming, but I'm pretty sure that's more on my end than your end. <laughs> I need to learn how to do that kind of stuff. I love that. Uh, I'm a big believer in that too, is setting up little, little, little tests to see if they're going to do what they say they're going to do. Cause unfortunately most people don't, that's more than half the battle, which I think is freaking outstanding, man. So that's awesome. What you said, you had some uh, outsourced stuff too. I'm, I'm assuming you use VAs and stuff like you said in the Philippines to do some of the TD stuff, just probably like the list pulling and the cold calling. Yeah. I think we've got, I don't even know, man. I think we've got four or five uh, cold callers running uh, right now. We've got, um, we've always got two or three doing SMS, um, uh, campaigns and then we've had actually one of our VAs shit uh, Judy's his name he's in the Philippines for like six years man and he actually does all of our lists and everything um, and that poor guy we only pay him 450 an hour and I even asked him Judy do you want more money dude do you like you want me to give you a raise he's like no I'm happy all right man like that's it but I think he's when we started it was like 250 or three dollars an hour so he's he's probably sitting back over there rich off his 450 and and uh and feeling okay man so yeah we use we use a lot of a lot of different vas and um and yeah and i've actually got i've kind of taken kobe out of the position of overseeing them now and i have another person overseeing all the vas so she's kind of moved up the level now that's awesome man and uh you know another key player in your team, I would assume is your wife. I see a lot of you guys doing some of this stuff together. And I've seen so many instances where one of the spouses or partners is all in and the other one is just all out. And it really does not help things at all. So when I see teams of couples that are working together like that on the same page, I'm always inspired because that's kind of my goal. It's like, I want somebody like that that's kind of, you know, same page. But I've also found when I do that, Sometimes I do what she calls a no-fly zone, where we're like, we'll be somewhere, and I'll be like, hey, what about this? And then that moment, she's like, we're at my kid's birthday party, or we're like at dinner, like, why are you bringing up the property, Matt? I'm like, oh yeah, sorry about that. So, like, sometimes it's hard to not like mix things when you're with friends or, or relationships with people like that. So, how does that work? How do you have a system of checks and balances for personal and professional conversations, or like we call no-fly zones with your wife? That's probably a uh... I should let Jennifer answer that, but um, <laughs> I, I, I'm the type of person, man, unfortunately now where I'm at, it doesn't really, I'm always thinking about business. So she, and she even says like, you talk about it too much. Uh, I probably do. <laughs> That's my fault. So I, I, I need to be more aware of that. Like a lot of times um, I shut my phone off at about seven o'clock and just uh, from there on out, I might jump back on like, you know, after the baby's in bed or something at 10 o'clock or whatever, but I try and at least shut the phone off and just kind of disconnect. I should probably even do that more, man, because it's really good, I think, for all of us to just disconnect and have like 
and have no distractions. I actually learned this from another mentor of mine. Um, uh, a guy I actually met in Portland has a few hundred properties in Los Angeles, um, uh, an older Indian gentleman. But this freaking guy, dude, you would never see him on his phone. Like he would never disrespect you by pulling out his phone like, and, and like texting or something like that. And if you were having a conversation with this guy or you went to dinner, like that was like totally off limits, man. And I, I remember I really respected that. And so I've tried to try to do some of those things and just disconnect a little bit. And I should probably even do more. I think we all could do a little bit better with that, right? It's kind of, we've all become that a little bit. So, but I think that, I think that's awesome, man. And uh, one more thing on the real estate side, before we jump into some of the other stuff, your thoughts on uh, Airbnb, I saw a, a recent video you did, and I know, I think you and I had a slight conversation in one of your groups about it too, but what are your thoughts right now? Because a, a big part of what I was looking to do was pick up some Airbnbs in Florida that I could kind of test out a couple of different areas to live in. And with the recession, allegedly in quotes, and the stuff that's happening with interest rates or just whatever it is with the mental side of stuff, you know, I know it's all kind of doom and gloom on there, but I know the last time the market crashed, I knew a lot of what was going to happen because I've been through that correction now, but I don't remember Airbnbs being the strategy as dominant as they are now. So to me, that's one that I actually don't know how it's going to perform, whereas I feel kind of comfortable with the market cycle of some of the other ones. What is your opinion right now on investing in Airbnbs over the next six, 12 months? Well, I think, Nick, if let's say we do go into a recession or we are in a recession or it even gets worse than that. Let's be honest, man. One of the first things people are going to cut out is vacation, right? So that's probably going to be one of the first things hit in my opinion. So uh, Jennifer and I own a couple of different property uh, management companies, one in California and the other for Indiana stuff. And um, we have an Airbnb management company too that we're building out. I think we've got, I don't know, 20 some units under management, but we're already seeing it, dude. We're already seeing a big slowdown. Um, so We'll see where it goes. I think it could be potentially a great buying opportunity for us to buy some of these damn properties that are probably going to get taken back by the banks, man. Because think about it. A lot of these people, like our cash flow on an Airbnb is about three times the amount of a, of a normal rental property. I think a lot of these people are buying on those projections, right? Hey, we're going to make X amount a month. Okay, well, what if a freaking recession hits and that doesn't happen and people aren't going on vacation? I don't know, man. So. It's going to be interesting, brother. We'll, we'll see what happens. This property I, I just closed on over here in Fort Lauderdale. I ran the numbers based on a regular rental, um, but we're going to Airbnb it. So I'm even safe at a regular rental, but we're going to Airbnb it. And I'm hoping to make three times the amount. But if it doesn't, I've ran my numbers based on a regular rental, man. And all we can do is the best we can do, brother. So I like that. You have multiple extra strategies planned. Like my buddy Nate says, plan for the divorce, just in case something happens ahead of time, you go for it, man. So I love that. And uh, so speaking of your, your Florida deal, man, I was just actually reading through it, but social media is another thing that could be a weapon or a tool, depending on how it's used for you and how you use it. And your social media stuff has been freaking awesome, man. Your content's been amazing, but um, I'm interested to see for some guys that post a lot of content, like the Austin Rutherford's, some of them also don't consume any. And I think that's where like all the time I'm sure it takes to create that content and then if you start looking at it too your whole day becomes social media so i'd love to hear about the balance of how you utilize it as far as what you use it for as far as consuming content 
and then some of the stuff that really triggered you guys stepping up your game for producing content? Yeah. So the reason I actually started producing content is, uh, as you know, I just, I'm from California originally, but I just moved here from Oregon. So after I had that heart attack, got freaked out and rolled around the country for a few years mm-hmm. in a damn motorhome. Um, I set up shop in uh, Oregon and we started flipping and, and doing rentals and stuff there. I kind of got checked out, man. I lived in the middle of the forest for a couple of years and yeah, I had projects and stuff going, but I kind of checked out, dude. And coming here to Florida and being around Mark and these other guys and just like, it's a totally different energy here. And it just got me motivated again. And that's the reason I, I started the social media account. And it's been great, man. We've, we've grown that thing organically, dude. I haven't paid for one damn follower. I think we're, you know, over 120,000 followers um, in less than six months. So I'm, I'm really just trying to provide value for people. I'm trying to monetize it a little bit now, obviously, because it, it costs me a lot of money to do the videos. And stuff, so I want to kind of try and recoup some of those costs. But you know, I'm really just trying to put it out there and provide value for people and show them what can be done, man. Because, you know, you set a goal like you and I both know you can, you can do anything. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the, the thing that I think you handle very well is you're putting out really good content with really helpful stuff and there's no upsell. There's no like maliciousness. There's no cheap shots or like, I'm doing this, but these people are like, some people are like have an angle of like making their videos. Like I'm doing this because I'm better than everybody. And your stuff comes off very genuine and very matter of fact of like, here's what we do. Here's what's working for us. Here's why you could do the same thing. I hope this helps people. And it, it really comes off like that. I think that's probably why your account has grown so much, but you still have these idiots that are just either a like, I'll see it's like, hey, buddy, did you actually like read any of the posts or like, you know, or like, well, you can't do that. What about this? And it's like, why would you spend your whole day following somebody just to constantly post their stuff about how they're wrong or they don't know? And literally you have no experience. So how do you handle the nonsense and the haters and the idiots on social media? Um, I think it's interesting, man. Um, like I had never really had social media before. Right. So I didn't. uh I didn't know about any of this stuff, but yeah, you definitely do get the haters and I don't follow anyone. So if I get on my account, I don't see anyone's uh, stuff other than mine, which, you know, I kind of like if someone, um, if I see a nice comment or something like you left on mine, then I'll click on your profile and then I can go over and check out your stuff. But as far as getting on, logging onto my channel and seeing everyone's stuff, that's, that's very distracting. So I don't do that. And as far as the haters go, man, I don't know. I guess you have to pick your damn battles. When I first started, when I first started, I'd be like, you know, like respond back or whatever. But now it's like, eh, I don't know. It's 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 not really worth it, man. It's interesting. Like Austin, I don't think responds to freaking anybody. He responds to DMs, but I don't see. I I really try and genuinely, Nick, provide value, man. So I look at the comments and I'll try and help people, like if they have a question or whatever. But then you come across the haters too. So I guess you got to take the good with the bad, man. You're, you're very good at that. I have to say, credit where credit is due. The way you take on some of the people that ask questions and you take the time to actually respond to them and answer them and explain the stuff you're working on, I think is uh, is, is really awesome. Especially when like, I think there was one, it was like, hey man, like not sure if you know math, but that's actually an 8%, now, you know, like stuff like that. But it's always kind of funny and it's like, uh, you know, pl- playful at the same time, which I, I think is pretty awesome. But, you know, one of my, uh, a bunch of my, my friends are UFC fighters and one of them, they get so many armchair guys that are just, they, they want to trash them for being in there, being like professional <laughs> athletes. And I, I'll talk to them sometimes. And like one of my buddies, Al, he was like, hey man, you know what I'm going to start doing is, 
I'm just going to start putting that kind of energy and energy and, and uh, effort and attention into the guys that are saying nice things about me. Because too many people, like, you get all, hey, great fight, man. You're awesome. You're my hero. You're my hero. And they get like a like, a like, a like. And then somebody's got, you're a bum. And you feed that for like comment after comment. So I think, you know, it's kind of choosing, like, I'm going to focus on this because I don't care who you are. You're having a bad day. Sometimes that stuff bothers you. You know, you do want to fire it off, but that's what they're doing it for, man. So I think you handle that very well, man. And we'll give links to everything um, that you're doing over there, but your social media and everything is definitely incredible, man. And, uh, you know, just being around stuff, watching what guys like you every day, man, like you and Mark Evans and Austin are like three of my favorite social media accounts to follow. Like I just, three totally different approaches, all good information. And, you know, sometimes I need somebody to like pick me up and make me feel like I could do stuff and I watch your stuff or Austin stuff. And then sometimes I need people to tell me to like stop being a little bitch. So I watch Mark Evans stuff. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's all good though, man. So Talking about uh, the show up investor, the group you have, man, I've gotten a lot out of the the Discord channel and the exclusive member content and stuff like that. It's been fantastic uh, for for me. I really appreciate you letting me be a part of that. But talk a little bit about kind of what you're doing. I know private money is a big thing. People have been coming to you for you putting some courses. Oh, yeah. Well, if you need to learn how to do that, just freaking message Kobe in there. Hey, Kobe, right? Because <laughs> listen, dude, anything I cannot figure out, she can freaking figure out. So um, if you need help with that, man, she, send her a DM and I get—I guarantee she can she can get it figured out for you. Yeah. I actually have all the notifications on mine shut off, dude. I have all the notifications. Um, I actually hired a, a social media manager, I guess you'd call him now, that does all the, the social media stuff because it was getting, it was taking away from like I'm looking for bigger apartment stuff. It's, it was kind of taking away from that. So she's, she's running all that now, but on a side note, I don't have any notifications, dude, that come to my phone, not from Instagram, not from TikTok, not from freaking MySpace or whatever. Like <laughs> I, I have all that shut off, dude, even discord I'll pop in there, but I don't have any notifications on my phone now because I don't want to be freaking distracted. And every time your phone's dinging and dinging and dinging for me, brother, it's very distracting. No, I'm with you, man, on that. And uh, I, I didn't go too deep into it because I know you didn't uh, you didn't bring it up initially on the intro story, but I'm sure for people that are listening and watching and they're like, man, you're so healthy. What what happened with the heart attack and how did that change your trajectory over the last couple of years? Yeah, man. Um, who really knows? The doctor says my arteries were smaller than they should have been. Uh, like I said, my my mother and father were drug addicts. My mother was actually on heroin and methadone. I don't know if you know what that is um, through her whole pregnancy. So probably something didn't develop right, man. But I've actually haven't eaten meat, dude. And probably right about that time I was shifting from manual labor to real estate. I watched a, uh, a Gary Yorosky speech, some hard, hardcore vegan dude. He was giving a speech at this, uh, at this college to all these meat eaters. And, um, something clicked with me, man. I, I grew up, you know, uh, working for my grandfather, slaughtering a lot of animals. I've castrated thousands of bulls, like just doing stuff that's, that's not the nicest thing to do to animals, man. And, um, yeah, I watched that and it really hit home with me. And so I haven't had any meat or anything, dude, believe it or not, in like freaking eight years. So, wow. um, obviously that didn't matter because I still <laughs> had a damn, I still had a damn heart attack. So yeah, I've got, I've got four stints in man. And I just try and eat clean and, do the best I can brother. And, and we all try and live as long as we can. Right. So I'm not sure really what happened with that. I used to drink about a gallon of milk a day. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but, um, I don't know. So, 
Well, I'm, I'm glad you made it through all the things you've done in life, man, because, you know, obviously I know people that did not make it through the heart attack. I know people that did not make it through the addiction and, you know, that just that whole side of it, man, like I, I had a, you know, I think we talked briefly about it, but a, a very serious hand injury is a permanent injury. And I remember they were giving me medicine and painkillers for it that were, were very needed at the time. And even me taking them the way that they were prescribed, given to me by a nurse once or twice a day, when I stopped taking them, I still was having a very hard time like getting off of them and that was not abusing them at all you know so I think it's one of those crazy things where you're just set up for failure there it's 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 not an, an easy thing to overcome or do and the fact that you've been through all the things you've been through overcome all the things you've overcome achieve what you've achieved and are such a good guy and still have such a positive attitude and you're so approachable I very much appreciate man and again I think it's a choice for you to to be a, a leader or, you know, be somebody who looks at somebody who makes excuses and you definitely don't, you, you show up, man. So I, I think the name is perfect for you at the show of investor. And uh, I very much appreciate all the stuff you're doing and putting out there, man. It's inspiring. Yeah. I appreciate that brother. And I appreciate you having me on man. Definitely. So uh, wrapping up here, I know we're kind of running out of time, but I like to call this the victory lap and just ask some final questions here. One of them being, uh, I saw a couple of videos on it, but I would love to know what would be maybe one book that you would recommend to people right now to read, to get them inspired, whether it's financially, mentally, entrepreneurially, whatever it may be. I think a book that's always hit home for me, there's a, uh, there's a couple, but one of them is the 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. This was probably one of the, the books that really helped me like keep pushing uh, along with his content online. But it's like, dude, quit being a bitch and just do like 10 times more than everybody else. Even if you don't know what you're doing, brother, I guarantee it. It's like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but just through the sheer like um, volume, it's like, you cannot fail, dude. You cannot fail. Obviously you want to dial that in and kind of figure out what you're doing. But I think just the lesson behind that, just to, you know, give it 110% and just, just get after it, man. I think that's very powerful. I agree a thousand percent, man. What is one of your favorite quotes? Probably whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. I echo that as well. I think that that's awesome. Uh, being that you're in a relationship with somebody who supports you and is on the same page, for somebody that maybe doesn't have a supportive spouse or business partner or a family member right now, and they want to get into business, real estate, entrepreneurship, what would be some advice you would give them to maybe help convince or, you know, get that person on board? You know, I would say having Jennifer is awesome, but it can also be a double-edged sword because if I have any excuses, she calls my bullshit. <laughs> and uh <laughs> right so i think if you don't have someone like jennifer to call your bullshit um when you're making excuses you've got to call your own bullshit man and at the end of the day there is really no excuse man we, we we're we're the only one if you think about it Nick, brother we're the only one stopping ourselves dude there's nobody else that can hold us back dude not our spouse not our brother not not our mom and dad not our, our like not the way we grew up. No one can stop us, dude. It's only us stopping ourselves. So if, if we can get over that part, man, we can, we can do anything. I agree with that, man. I, I just came from a Jason Jury seminar. I'm not sure if you're familiar with who he is, but he did a lot of like the mindset stuff for Brandon Turner and some of these other guys. And it was amazing to see the different levels of successful investors in that room from people who were making six figures to seven figures to eight figures, some of them a month. And everybody still had some sort of nonsense or limiting beliefs or shit in their head of why they weren't doing better and so i think like you said kind of getting out of your way whatever level you are is just like a huge thing like you know people see me post stuff and they're like oh well 
you know, you got your black belt, but you know, I have this and I have that. And you get up at 5 a.m. I don't like getting up at 5 a.m. I'm like, yeah, neither do I, you know, but if it's something you want to do and you want to achieve, then you make time for it or you don't, you know what I mean? And then it's just an excuse. So I think that that's awesome, man. And that's so the difference though, Nick, that's the nif- difference between you and the guy who doesn't get up. You don't want to get up either. I don't like getting up before five o'clock either, dude, <laughs> but we, but we both do it, right? Yeah. We both do it, man. So that's the difference, dude. You get up and put the work in, man. And the other guy that's got excuses is not getting up and putting the work in. Doesn't mean he's a bad person, but if we want to see why we're at, where, where we are in life, it's because of those choices we make every day. Uh, dude, that's exactly what I tell people. I said, your life's a recipe. Where you are right now is the recipe of all the decisions you've made. And people want to be in a different spot, but they don't want to change the recipe. Like you can't come here and keep making the same decisions and putting the same ingredients in and thinking you're not going to be in a different spot. It's just, it's, it's literally insanity. You know what I mean? It's I love of- that, man. That, that freaking hits home, dude. That's exactly, that's exactly right, man. Exactly. It's, it's insanity, man. And last but certainly not least, tell the, the audience, how do they find you? How can they help you? What are some things that we can help the show up investor with? Yeah, maybe uh, follow me on, uh, I think we're on all the social media platforms and the, the girl I hired from our marketing has got us on everything now. Um, but uh, I'm easier to get a hold of probably like on Instagram because I actually check those myself. And that's uh, my, my handle is the show up investor. There's some fake accounts. So just remember, (laughs) I'm not following anyone. So if you're looking for the real account, it has zero, I'm following zero people. And just maybe DM me just to make sure it's the right account, man. I hate these damn guys coming up with fake accounts. And I'll listen, I'll never freaking try and sell you anything. I'm not going to DM you and say, hey, buy this crypto or some bullshit. So if someone's doing that, it's definitely not me. 100%. Just for people listening, one of the things that I I was doing this week was your YouTube stuff has so many good, like one to three minute clips that I literally just saved them all into an Allen playlist. And I just let them kind of play in the background throughout the day, man. And it was, it was really cool. So if people are looking for something to just kind of put in the background, and I highly suggest they jump on your YouTube and make a playlist of your shorts and stuff. And it, it's really cool. It covers a little bit of everything. It kind of gets your wheels turning a little bit, man. So that's been excellent. I really appreciate it. I will put all of those notes live so everybody can click on them in the show notes as well. This has been awesome, man. I really appreciate all the stuff you've done for me on the Show Up Investor Discord group on this podcast. It was awesome meeting you, talking to you once again. Any final thoughts before I let you go, my good man? I'm good, brother. I just, uh, you know, just let everybody know anything they want to do. Look at where I came from. I only went to the freaking 10th grade. Um, I'm definitely not the smartest damn guy in the room. But I think if you set a goal and just uh, keep showing up every day, it'll happen for you, man. So I appreciate your time too, Nick. Thank you for having me on, brother. Well, you bring your A-game to everything you've done up until now. You definitely brought your A-game to this interview. Show up, investor. Have a fun, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day. So what's it